What's up then listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual Midge, alongside my co-host the Keg. Oh gosh. And joining us today for our off-season talk LA Rams episode we have Brad. How are we doing today Brad? Doing great, good? doing great. Good, good. Good stuff. Uh, just before we start Brad, I'll let you... Um, I'll let you go on into your socials and everything that you do and you cover just so our listeners um, can get a bit of a background on you. So I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Um, and I'm working on, you know, salary cap and contracts. So free agency is very busy. Uh, and then obviously now we're kind of turning towards the draft a bit as well. So really just roster construction in general. Uh, and you can find my content at, of course, uh, at PFF.com. Uh, you know, we're churning out content, you know, as, as, as often as possible. Good stuff. Good, good stuff, Brad. So, guys, we'll be making sure to uh, link Brad's all socials and everything in our descriptions when we post. So keep an eye out for that one. So, Brad, we'll get right to it and um, talk about the Rams. Now, you know, they, they are going to be in the toughest division in the NFL. You know, there's going to be a lot of arguments about it, but it's a pretty stacked division. Ten and six, you know, got the wild card spot. I think they've... I've, Wrong. I think they got the last wild card spot, which was an extra spot because obviously got an extra team. So I think they were the seventh seed, but they got in regardless. You know, there was obviously a lot of talk about the extra playoff game. So they got in, you know, their number one ranked defense. It was absolutely stout. You know, offense was few and far between, but the defense is just absolutely outstanding. I mean, you couldn't get any better than actually getting a, a wild card win within your biggest rival. That's always a bonus. I mean, I'm sure everyone would love to do that. So they had a great game in Seattle um, and pretty much dismantled uh, the Seahawks. Uh, then it kind of didn't work out going into Green Bay. I mean, they were just too strong. You know, Aaron Rodgers was on his, on his game. And when, when he's on his game, he's just, he's just so difficult to beat, even with that defense. Looking at a perspective on how the year went, you know, sort of everything going to, do you think it was a bit of a failed season for the Rams or did you think they sort of hit their peak around, you know, get a playoff win, they're, they're always going to be in contention, but they're not they're not quite just there yet. You know, it's tough. I, I think their season is probably a good example of, you know, you're going to go as far as your quarterback will allow you to go, right? So they had a really good roster, you know, weapons all over. The offensive line could be better, so maybe not, you know, putting it all on Jared Goff, but, um, but definitely still not a bad unit, you know, across the league, probably still around average, maybe slightly below. Um, and then, of course, like we said, the, the best defense in the NFL last year, um, you know, talent all, all on the defensive line and in the secondary. Uh, they could stand to improve at the linebacker position, but, you know, a, kind of a spot you can kind of scheme around and, and coach around, which, of course, their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, did just that. Um, obviously, now, you know, he's still in L.A., but now the head coach of the Chargers. But, uh, yeah, so I don't think you can say it's, you know, a failed season. I think getting a playoff win – um, with, you know, frankly, a quarterback they clearly were not fans of themselves, um, you know, is a successful season. Um, but, but at this point, I do think, you know, Sean McVay and that roster and, and some of the guys they have, I would bet in that building, you know, it's, it's Super Bowl or bust to them pretty much every year. So, you know, if that's the perception, uh, you know, I'm not going to push back on it. But um, like, I, like I said, end of the day, you know, a quarterback can only carry you so far. And obviously, you know, golf was not great last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan of Goff at all. I mean, I think that they've, they've made an excellent move with the trade. But I do feel like he sort of put the blame on him a little bit and sort of used him as a scapegoat a little bit, you know, potentially. I mean, the offensive, if we just touched on the offensive line, it did actually improve 
uh, massively last year. Like there were three three players on there um, that just absolutely took off compared to the year before. And I think that that sort of destroyed any excuses Goff had with the line a little bit. I mean, like you say, it was, a, it was above average. No, I think the, I think we talk about a lot of PFF too. Is that basically there's there's a ton of value going from bad to average on the offensive line. Um, there's not that much value in going from average to great like you need to have a competent line that allows your quarterback to operate the offense allows you to create holes in the run game things like that but spending a ton of money and having you know plus players at all five spots the the return on investment there isn't as great as you know you might think it is so I agree with you it does kind of um you know eliminate some excuses there because they were good enough um and I do you know I think there was it's fair to say scapegoating a bit on golf you know I, I think um you know, frankly, they, they, they could have done better. And, and, you know, it's not it was it wasn't exclusively him for sure. But, um, you know, I do think the things they like to do, they like to, you know, a lot of play action, a lot of things that his limited athleticism just didn't really like cater to their kind of strengths in, in the offense, um, which is why they, they even loved now I'm blanking on his name, but they even loved um, uh, Wolf, 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 yeah, Wolf, Wolf or John Wolf. Yeah. They, they love, you know, a guy who was in the, you know, the AAF just a year before, yeah. but they loved Wolford's athleticism because, you know, he could, he can move outside the pocket. He can kind of keep the defense guessing. And so there's inherent value in that as well. Holding number 55, 10 yard penalty. Yeah. I mean, when he almost started over Goff in that playoff game, I think that spelt the end for Goff anyway. I mean, we touch upon next season then. So they've made some moves in the off-season cap-wise. I mean, they've restructured a lot of contracts. They're currently sitting about 10 million. Obviously, they haven't got the first round pick this year, so their rookie class is a little bit cheaper for them. Um, but I mean, these moves are going to affect them down the line. There's not really many more players they can move on from. I mean, do you think these sort of restructures are going to affect them going into next year when they're sort of sitting currently as the second worst team? I know that there's a lot you can do, but is this sort of like their window now this year? I, I, I do think they've definitely created a window. Um, you know, as far as the cap goes, that they've made it very clear, like, they're not going to be constrained by the salary cap. So if, if they can find a way to make a move and improve the roster talent-wise, they'll kind of figure out the money later. Um, you know, quickly to, to the golf trade, you know, when they made that trade, his $22.2 million at, at the time um, was the most dead money, basically money spent on a guy not on a roster – um, it would have been the most in NFL history uh, if not for the guy taking the pick after him in the draft. You know, Carson Wentz yeah. has now taken that record. But that kind of goes to show how the Rams, you know, that they do not believe in the sunk cost, uh, that basically they should be tethered to a player just because they've spent on him in the past. Um, and that's probably a good thing in the long run. That, that shows they, they're not content with average. They're not content with a playoff win. They want to win several playoff games like we discussed. Mm. Um but it is going to be tough. I mean, they restructured the four obvious guys that yep. – and then those guys are Aaron Donald, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, um, and Jalen Ramsey were the four restructures they did. Um, all those guys still very good players. You know, no, no concern about restructuring those guys. But you, you think you probably extend Aaron Donald next year. Um, I'm sure he wants – he probably wanted one this offseason, you know, to be honest. But, um, you know, there's ways around it. But they definitely – I think this year is a, is a total window year where it's – First year of Matthew Stafford, you know, he might want a new deal as well, which could clear cap room for them down the line. But first year Matthew Stafford and a bit of a weak NFC. I know the NFC West is obviously a gauntlet, um, you know, maybe the best division in football. Um, but but the NFC, you know, overall is is not that strong. Um, I mean, the NFC championship game was, was 43-year-old Tom Brady versus 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. 
year. So, like, there's a window here where you can, you know, if you get a really good team um, and a good quarterback like a Stafford, um, that you should be one of the contending teams in the NFC. Um, so I think it's fair to see that. It's fair to say that. And then, and then you know, how 2022 plays out in the offseason will probably depend on, on how things go. Maybe they do kind of rebuild a little bit and kind of tear it down a bit. Um, but, of course, they don't have, they don't have first-round picks for the next three mm. years in a row. So uh, That's just mad. I mean, I think that's finally sort of catching up to them a little bit, cap-wise. They haven't had one for seven years now, I believe. Is that, you know, so it's quite hard to sort of – but then that's just the way that they believe that first-round picks aren't of value, I suppose, as much as other teams do. Yeah, no, it's, it does catch up to you just because, you know, their whole – you know, I get the argument in a little in a little bit basically saying – you know, you might not find a really good player at pick 20 to 20 to 30 range, which they're obviously always going to be mm. picking in that, you know, 20 or later. Um, you know, they're, they're a, a good team that's never going to be picking in the top 10 anyway. So when they're trading those future firsts, you know, well, I guess that's, you can't necessarily say that. The, the Texans yeah. probably didn't think they were going to give the Dolphins the third overall pick this year. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so when you look at it from that perspective, it kind of makes sense. But, but the real thing is I think people miss about the argument is that it's not just okay, we're not going to get this player, um, you know, that might not be that good. First of all, they could be that good. You know, like we said, you know, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson was the 21st pick last year, you know, one of the best receivers in the NFL right away, um, just one example. But also beyond that, it's about the surplus value of the contracts. Like you're saying, they haven't had a first-round pick for – it's going to be seven years straight by, by the end of the Stafford trade. And what it does is there's just no avenue to adding a good player – um, on a cheap contract. And so when you when you never have the ability to do that, um, you know, it just, it just kind of gets tough. Yeah, exactly. That. You know, I, think that's, I think that's finally catching up where, you know, you look at this roster and I think they've got Cam Akers here as sort of their, their best rookie on this on this list. Obviously, the cheap rookie contracts. And bar that, there's no one really that stands out, which, you know, most teams want to have three or four of their best players on these cheap rookie deals. Like. Yeah, it's interesting with, with LA because, yeah, like you say, I think all it's sort of a thing where all good things must come to an end because they're so interested in the fact that they've been in this window. Obviously, I've, you've got to remember that, you know, they weren't long ago, they weren't, they weren't, sorry, not long ago, they were in the Super Bowl. You know, I, I was there in Atlanta at the time of that. And, you know, you've got to remember that even that was even with Goff. So, the talent on this team can do can can produce the goods, you know. Yes, they've lost a couple of key players on defense this year, but they've still got a decent core around that. I mean, it's still going to be a top five defense. I don't think anyone's going to argue that coming into next year, moving forward with some of these players. Obviously, losing Troy Hill and um, Johnson as well, obviously not ideal, both to the Browns, but it's sort of a case as well. You have. The players that I mean, Leonard Floyd obviously we've got to mention that was a massive re-signing, and they gave him a pretty good deal um, to go with it. So he's there for the long haul for the while anyway. So they have sort of that aroundness. I mean, do you see Troy Hill and Johnson being massive losses? I think they are quite key pieces, but I don't think they're going to maybe struggle as much people might think they are. I still think they're still a top five unit, like even without um, Johnson and Hill. I mean, what what do you think about it? So what, what I really like that they've done, um, and, and it's kind of something I advocate for as a draft approach in general, is that, you know, you should never draft and say, well, we're good at this position, so we don't need to draft that position. Um, they've drafted a ton of safeties and cornerbacks, even with this great secondary. So, you know, I'm a big fan of David Long out of Michigan. You know, he's, I think he's going to be a good slot corner, and I think he could fill in for Troy Hill, who played a bit more on the outside until last year, who was, you know, primary slot with Darius Williams on the outside, who's a stud and obviously going to be, be back next year. But 
I think Long could do a really good job of filling in for, for uh, Troy Hill. And so it, it could be a pretty seamless transition. I want to say he was a third rounder in 2019. So, you know, heading into his third season now, uh, and maybe 2020, either way. So, you know, pretty high draft pick for, for a cornerback. Um, so that, that should be a good spot there. And then, and then at safety, same thing. They took, you know, Terrell Burgess, Jordan Fuller, um, Morgan, Taylor Rapp. So they've really addressed both those spots, you know, heavily. Um, look, both both Troy Hill and John Johnson are very good players. No one's debating that. Um, but they, you know, they've made sure that they're not, you know, basically they're trying to fill this hole in this draft or, or trying to go out and spend and sign someone to replace them. They have guys in the building that have been in their system for a couple of years that have kind of grown and developed as L.A. Rams. Um, yeah, they might be a small fall off, but I agree. They should still be one of the better defenses in the NFL. And they've done it in a way as well where they're projected now to get five compensatory picks next year, which is obviously with them finding these value picks that later on is actually, you know, a big part. I mean, are you a fan of using that system? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great way to, it's a great way to continue to accumulate capital. There is a cap. You can only get four maximum. So right, okay. the, the coaching ones are different or the, the GM and coaching ones are different. So should be what a third round pick again for Brad Holmes, the new GM of the lions. Uh, but you can only get four from players, so right. I guess they could still get five total if, if if you were if you were including that as well. So yeah, um, yeah, there's a max of four. Yeah, so okay, so yeah, you're right. But yeah, so no, it's it's very smart. <laughs> it's good business. Um, you know, I mean, look, like last year, for example, um, you know, you let Dante Fowler walk, uh, yeah. signs a big three-year, forty-five million-dollar deal in Atlanta. Um, you know, earns the Rams a nice compensatory pick, and, and he was frankly awful in Atlanta last year. So yeah, we're Atlanta um, fans, we, so we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to we suffer know. through it. <laughs> right, right. But so that's yeah, <laughs> yep. But it's it's something that happens when players sign for Atlanta. They can't no longer sack players, so it's no. we're used to it. <laughs> we're used to yeah, that. We're used to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at um, Austin Blythe here, I mean, he looks like a, a major one to re-sign at centre. But apart from that, I think they're pretty much done on this re-signing front. I mean, is there anyone else you sort of... I agree with you. No, I agree. I think Blythe would be some nice interior offensive line depth. Um, you, you know, I, I don't think he'll cost too much at all at this point. There's a lot of, you know, still a lot of guards and centres. You know, I think he's moved around, probably mostly centre, but kind of played at both spots. Um, there's a handful of guys still left at those spots. So... I'm sure they'll continue to address it. But like you said, I mean, I think Austin Corbett took steps last year. Um, and David Edwards, I think, had, you know, had a better season and, for uh, him as well. Having, having shot yeah. as well, apparently. Uh, yeah. Up 30 points on the PFF, apparently. So, oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> they, yeah. They're great, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I think like if they can keep that core in, obviously it's, good. it's just going to help Stafford. Um, and even with that line last year, Cam Akers done a pretty nice job as a rookie as well. So there's some foundations there to at least get Stafford to succeed because if there's no point of actually trading for him and giving him a pretty dire situation to go right where you've got to do much better than what you you know to to expect Jared Goff to do something with Stafford to not so the fact is yeah that they're not chucking him in a bad situation I think if we um if we sort of go on to the draft side of things obviously as we've mentioned they haven't picked in the first round what seems like forever um, ever since we, you know, since we followed the league, it seems like they never have one. I think the last one I remember was probably Jared Goff and Aaron Donald. And that'll be, yes, they worked out pretty good. But obviously, they're picking more into day two. Now, they have uh, two two round threes and two seconds. I mean, in terms of need, I mean, what do you, I mean, like you say, I think the best thing about the Rams, they pick the best player available. It's sort of their philosophy a little bit because they like adding and stacking wherever they can. I mean, 
in terms of round two, let's sort of talk round two because obviously that's the earliest pick. I mean, is there certain players that you like in day two that could fall to LA that you think LA would like? Or, I mean, what, what's your thoughts moving on to the draft for, for the Rams? Yeah, you know, I think, um, like you said, they, they definitely, you know, believe in the best player available philosophy. So, you know, trying, trying to fit a guy there is tough, but there's there's a couple players at linebacker that I think makes sense. Um, you know, I think Jamin Davis uh, out of Kentucky, uh, I went to SEC school, so I watched a lot of SEC football, and he flashed when I watched him play. Um, kind of, you know, a, a versatile linebacker, super athletic, good sideline-to-sideline guy, so I think he could be there in the second round. Um, this might be a stretch, but Nick Bolton in Missouri, he, he was expected to go a lot higher, didn't have a great – he just had his pro day the other day, and he didn't test super well, um, so maybe he falls down, you know, that far. Um, that, that might be a bit of a stretch, frankly. Um, and then I think they could still, you know, maybe bolster up the edge rusher spot as well. Um, you know, if they wanted to add, you know, some of the guys maybe fall in that range as well. Carl Weaver potentially um, falls to them. And then, you know, outside of that, I know it's a bunch of kind of defense and, and maybe you're thinking offense as well. Um, I think tight end would be a good spot to, to re-up. Obviously, Gerald Everett just signed with the, the rival Seahawks, um, you know, as, as we mentioned already. So, you know, I think obviously, you know, Higby's a good player, but you could always supplement that spot. Um, I think Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State was a guy who was a lot of people were projecting like, you know, in the first round for most of the year. And um, I think he battled some injuries and maybe even opted out of the season. Um, so, you know, I think could be, uh, be available in that range as well. Um, I think they're going to have, uh, they're going to have a, a lot of good options. I think it's not a super top heavy draft outside of a couple positions like offensive tackle and wide receiver are obviously extremely loaded. Um, but then I think like linebacker, edge rusher, some, some cornerback safety, stuff like that. If they want to keep going there. Um, I think there's not a lot of high-end guys, but there's a ton of really good values kind of in the second and the third. Um, so, you know, they can kind of have the pick of their litter there on, on some, you know, important positions as well. Yeah, and I think this year as well, like there's going to be a lot of players, like you said, that are going to drop because they've either opted out or because it's, you know, they don't get the complete, you know, combine and everything like that. I mean, there will be a lot of guys that drop on them, I'd imagine. So, there's plenty of value to be had for them, I think, at, you know, in the second round still. Um, they've shown that they've shown the last few years, though, that they've done well picking in the later rounds because they've had no choice but their own to pick in the later rounds. But they've actually done well. Like you say, you mentioned Troy Hill being a third round pick, you know, and being an absolute stud. You know, they've actually done well on these sort of later round picks. It will play, I think it might catch up eventually, something like we've just talked about, but they have got a point of they draft pretty well, you know, like at the end of the day, they're one of the solid teams that do pick up some nice players. I mean, one player that has stood out to me a little bit and that I've been quite interested in, like I say, um, you mentioned about SEC. I've watched a lot of SEC, probably more out of all the conferences, being a Georgia fan. So you've got someone, someone that really intrigues me, someone like um, Dylan Moses from Alabama, who obviously has had injury issues and something like that is obviously going to drop. I mean, depending where he goes, someone might like him as, as potential because before he was um, injured, he was an absolute stud for Alabama. So you got to a point of where he could be interesting. You know, you got some, like you said, there's some top, there's some players there that I think more potential from going into day two, uh, sorry, day two, rounds two and three, where it could be interesting for pickups. So like I say they got three picks in day two, so it could be quite interesting for them to pick up. But I think he he'd be intriguing. Just to me, he's an intriguing prospect to me anyway, just sort of looking at his tape, so before injury. Totally agree, totally agree. Dylan Moses, really good player. Uh, actually, another SEC guy too, Jabril Cox at LSU. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, a really good player that I think would fit uh, what they're trying to do. So, yeah, like I said, they, there's a lot of linebackers they could target in, in round two and three. 
Um, again, like we said, they're best best player available, but they do have a bit of a need there. Um, and there's no reason to shy away from a need if you know if it works out in their favor, which it looks like it's going to. Yeah, I mean, if we if we sort of touch upon like a, an early prediction for next season, then I mean, obviously it's there's not actually an awful lot that's going to happen to this Rams team, in my opinion. That, you know, apart from maybe re-signing the centre, maybe one or, one or two small additions. And then you've obviously got whatever they pick up in the draft. They're probably not looking at many starters in the draft. So we probably get quite a good idea of what this lineup's going to look like next year. I mean, what sort of prediction would you would you give them? You know, honestly, I think that the sky really is the limit. Like, I, I um, you know, they didn't lose. Like we said, John Johnson and Troy Hill are both very good players. But you can replace your free safety, especially with all the guys they have at safety. Um, you know, I think Jordan Fuller got hurt last year, but was really good before then. I like Taylor Rapp's game. He's kind of more versatile, can play down in the box as well. Um, and, and then I like their cornerback. So, like, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge fall off at all on defense. You know, it, it is – defense does kind of fluctuate. You know, there's a lot of regression there. So, they're, they're probably not going to be the best defense in the NFL again, but they should be a good unit. Um, but then, frankly, I mean, the offense, like, I, I don't think it can be understated how much better it could be um, with Matthew Stafford compared to Jared Goff. And we touched on a bit just, like, what, what he likes to do, what, you know, Sean McVay likes to do. Um, you know, this is off the top of my head, but I know Matthew Stafford on play action passes has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last couple of years. They love getting him kind of outside the pocket a bit because he can throw going both right and left, um, you know, kind of the off-platform stuff. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers himself actually always talks about how Matt Stafford does not get enough credit for kind of his weird arm angle throws and kind of the, the things he's able to do on the move um, with guys in his face, stuff like that. And I just think that I just think the playbook was so shrunken down, you know, with Goff at the helm. And now I think, you know, McVay and him can obviously they've been hanging out in Cabo even before the, the trade was official. But uh, obviously they know each other and, and can spend a lot of time kind of coming up with a dynamic offense. Um, you know, I, I think they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think. You know, this is a massive upgrade, like you say, on Stafford. Just just on the plays you can play, let alone the ability of Stafford to actually produce the plays. I mean, I, I think that they're probably my their favourites to win this division for me. I think the Seahawks are going to go backwards. Arizona look quite good, you know, with the signings they brought in, but I don't think they're as good as the Rams. And, you know, I, I think I make the Rams a favourite. I mean, what's your thoughts, Mitch? It's interesting because what, what we touched upon about in this episode of, you know, Brad, you made a good point. Obviously, NFC is, let's put it into perspective, not as competitive as the AFC, you know, in terms of younger guys and, and what the future holds for the AFC. The NFC is in a little bit of a different spot. There's not as as talented as much in them. I think we can all agree, bar maybe, you know, like I say, you, you pointed out, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are playing in, in the championship game, you know, so sort of puts into perspective on that. Obviously, it's arguably the toughest division in the league. And I think we haven't mentioned the 49ers as well. They also obviously had the injury bug out of all the teams last year. You know, they, they lost pretty much everyone, both sides of the ball throughout the year, you know, hence why they finished six and 10. So, and would love fun if we just had them not long ago. And they're actually really interesting to point out because when it comes to, I'll point this out, when it's kind of bets, this is the hardest division I'm going to be putting a bet on, on who's going to win. Because I think the Rams... And I think it's going to be more Rams Niners. I, I agree with the keg in terms of Seahawks, unless, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson's a magician, but it, it, I think it's going to catch up at some point. They've He's only got three obviously. picks this year as well, the Seahawks, so that's not yeah. ideal. <laughs> I don't think they're in the best spot out of all the teams in this division. And obviously, Arizona are sort of just there as well. So, as much as yes, so we point out about talent, they're still sort of there. But I mean, double digits is easy enough. And I think we have to point out that, like you said, I think 
when people sort of reacted to this Stafford trade, everyone was like, you know, you sort of got the people that reacted were like, oh, well, we didn't do anything in Detroit. And I'm like, yeah, because it was Detroit. And not no disrespect to Detroit fans, they know it as well, that I don't think that they could have got more out of Stafford, you know, it, within the time he was there. So, and I think going to an organisation like the Rams with Sean McVay and everything going on is just going to be a much better environment for him. Plus, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not short of talent on this team. So you've got to think of that upgrade. And, and I, I could easily see... The Rams, yeah, they wouldn't want to be a team I'd want to play in the playoffs. If if their defense is top five again, which I'm sure it will be, I have no doubts about it. Stafford plays well enough and actually does, you know, a lot more than Goff did in the year, Albert, if, if he can stay healthy. Um, so, yeah, I can easily see this being easy in the double digits, but I'm, it's hard to say if they're going to be the division winner because I, 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 I don't know. The Niners, for me, just, I don't know, they could seem to have a bounce back. But it obviously depends who's a quarterback, but. Um, they're definitely in prime. And like you said, we've pointed out the window is is closing a little bit, pending what happens. This could be part of the year where they need to really go for it. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I, I think also, I, I don't know if to tell Rams fans this, I think Rams fans know how good Sean McVay is, but you mentioned Stafford in Detroit. I mean, he might be going from the worst coaching situation in the NFL to – one of the best, yeah. if not the best. So, like, yeah. you can't, you can't, you know, downplay that the value in that for sure. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, just while, while we've got you, I mean, I know you're sort of an expert on the on the cap and stuff. I mean, what what's your sort of thoughts for next year? Do you think we will get back to the the normality? Obviously, I know it's it's wide open at the moment, and it all depends on what happens with getting fans back through the gates. But if have they got sort of plans in place and TV money rising or anything like that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I do think um, it'll obviously grow again. It'll get back to growing. You know, we do need, of course, people to, to be able to go. Um, their projections right now are based off of um, about 75% capacity. Um, ideally, they want even more than that, but they definitely expect, you know, most of the stadium to be full. Um, so the, the, the TV and the gambling money is interesting. Um, it technically doesn't actually hit until 2023. But what I think, you know, I think what they could do is they could say, look, like, because we know that money is coming, they've signed the contracts, they've agreed with all the networks to, you know, to have, to have the money eventually start coming through the pipeline, that they can kind of borrow from that again. Um, but I will say, I will say, a lot of people you'll see around have discussed how the cap's going to spike a ton next year. Um, I think it's not going to spike. It's going to go up. I think it'll probably be around $205 million, 200, um, you know, around there because, there still are losses they have to kind of eat from last year. Um, yep. You know, they obviously they, – they set the floor of 175 for the cap for this year. It ended up at 182.5. Um, but there was a, a number out there from Dan Graziano at ESPN who said basically if those – you know, if that floor wasn't set, it would have been 155. Wow. And so <laughs> – right. So basically that says the owners essentially let them borrow $27.5 mm. million dollars to get to the 182.5 number. So they still did borrow a lot. Um, and, and again, and the, and the cap would have been about 210 million this season. Um, if there was, you know, if COVID just did, yeah. didn't happen, you know, it would have been wonderful. Um, so, you know, so, so if you look at it from that perspective, basically 155 versus 210. So there was 55 in total difference there. Um, and they ate about half of that, you know, to get to 182.5. Yeah. So I think there's still another 27 and a half again, they kind of have to, you know, stomach it next year. So yeah, long story short, I know there was a lot of numbers and kind of rambling, but it'll go, it'll go up. I think teams will be more prepared. Um, yeah. you know, th this caught them by surprise. No one planned for this. Um, so you no, know, the Rams will figure it out. Their front office is 
is creative, yeah. is crafty, uh, and is aggressive. Um, owner Stan Kroenke, you know, he'll he'll make it work. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be like you said. They're already right now projected to be over next year's cap. Um, they have their work cut out for them, but uh, they'll make it work. Yeah. No, I, I'm, you know, you touched on there that 155. I mean, teams have struggled so much with 182. So I mean, they'd have been no yeah. chance. With it. I mean. Oh. Yeah, I can imagine. It's yeah. interesting to see these dead caps this year as well, and like the how sort of how they've added the void years a lot this year. A lot of teams have been really great in how they've restructured contracts and stuff, and it's, yep. it's well, been really interesting to see it. Like, yeah, there's there's always a way in the NFL, and I think a yeah. lot of coaches, GMs, everyone's proven that. So definitely don't rule the Rams out next year on their cap cap situation. Looks like maybe Dallas is a different one, but we won't go on to that one another time. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Brad, we're going to cut up, uh, cap it off there. Really appreciate you uh, joining us today to talk to us about the Rams and giving your insights and everything. Really, really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Also, I just, I just realized I said Carl Weaver. I meant to say Rashad Weaver. I was combining. <laughs> I, I know you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah, it with uh, no I did it with Mac Jones and Alex Mack yesterday. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But anyways, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me, and I enjoyed it. Jeez. No worries, no worries, Brad. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Like I say, we're still going for all our off-season talk episodes. We're nearly there. It's be episode twenty-five, so we're nearly getting there. Coming up for the draft and more content coming up for that as well. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Take care, stay safe, and catch you next time.